Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Now, a friend of mine yesterday, who's, who's, I'm so thankful, is here this morning. He, he shared with me, what are you going to speak on tomorrow? And I said, two verses. And his comment was, you're going to speak the entire time on two verses? And I'm like, yeah, and, it's, and I, it actually could take a full hour if I really shared with you everything I have this morning. Two verses, verses six and seven. We're going to dive deep into these verses as we look at the title of our message today, The Cure for Anxiety. Now, I've decided that I'm just going to preach this message to myself, and if y'all want to listen in, that's just fine. I'm just going to preach this to myself, and if you listen in, that is, that is great. As some of you know, I personally struggle with anxiety. It's a journey that I'm on. I'm far from having it figured out, but I've found that this message today has been a great help for me. If you were to look up the definition of anxiety, it is, and I don't have this on your screens, but just listen to this. The definition of anxiety is an overreaction to a situation to a, to a situation that is only subjectively seen as menacing. It is often accompanied by muscular tension, restlessness, fatigue, inability to catch one's breath, tightness in the abdominal region, nausea, and problems in concentration. That's the definition of anxiety. Now, I, I'm not going to do a show of hands, but how many of you can relate to any of those things that I just listed in that definition? Wow, you guys still raised your hands. Okay. All right. We're in this. Let me just say this. We're in this together. We're in this together. I'll never forget the season we were all in recently when the grocery shelves were empty. Now, do you guys remember that? I mean, that was kind of like a yes. Like, do you remember when the grocery shelves were emptying for toilet paper? I, did, the, did the world just start using the restroom more or what? I don't know. Like, it was just a season where the, it, the, the shelves were emptying for toilet paper. Maybe you remember, do you guys remember Clorox wipes? Like, the, it was just, it was like gold. Clorox wipes were like gold. The, the shelves were emptying. And at one point, Tylenol was supposed to go obsolete. So everybody was running to get Tylenol, at least, at least we were. But the one that caught me off guard the most was, maybe it'll be a surprise to you, but the one that caught me off guard the most of when it started to empty off the shelves was bread. Does anybody remember that? For us, our family, we're allergic to um, pretty much everything except cardboard. <laughs> All right, so, so like we need special bread. It's like cardboard, right? And, and there's one kind of bread. It's Dave's white done right bread. Anybody know that? Like he's got big muscles like me on the front, you know? Uh, anyways, just kidding. Thank you. I appreciate that. And so there's one kind of bread that we can get, and the second option isn't, isn't as great. It's not easy to find, and there's a third option, but it's really hard to find. But our best option is, is Dave's white bread done right. And so I can remember on one particular day in 2020, and I'm going to invite you back to 2020, as scary as that may be for some of us, into that moment when the shelves were empty. And for some of us, it, it, we were, you know, we were trying to find bread for our family. And I went to one store and there was no bread. And I'm like, this isn't good. My kids, they, they will literally revolt if there isn't food in the house. Like, especially my sons, they will revolt. 
And so I'm going to need to find bread. So I go to a second store and I can't find, find the bread. And I go to a third store and I can't find the bread. And so then I'm like, I'll go to Aldi and I can't find the bread. And I'll go to Meyer and I can't find the bread. Friends, I went to a second Kroger and still couldn't find the bread. And, and I told myself, I'm, I'm, I am in control of this situation. And I'm going to go to every single grocery store I need to, to provide for my family. And I don't know how many stores I went to, but it, it, it was quite a few. And I can remember I got to the last store and I realized I wasn't going to find bread for my family and that I was out of control. I couldn't control the situation. And I remember in the aisle, hear me, listen, I remember in the aisle feeling pressure in my, my chest. I couldn't get my breath. I couldn't breathe. And there was tightness and there was nausea and there was confusion, and I felt completely out of control. I was overwhelmed with anxiety. And that's just my story. And, and as, as I share that, I'm inviting you to consider what is your story with anxiety. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, you'll see in your notes, I'm going to lead us with a question. What makes you anxious? Because I believe we're all on a spectrum of anxiety. If we're willing to admit it, we're willing to be honest about it, there's a spectrum, just like depression. And, and maybe some of us are on one side of the spectrum where we're like, I'm good, I'm good, I got it, I'm under control. But other of us, we're, we're feeling less and less in control, and, and maybe we are experiencing the tightness of, of our chests, the shortness of breath, and we feel life has overtaken us. Let me ask you again, what makes you anxious? Maybe it's not knowing how you're going to pay the electric bill next month. Or maybe, just maybe, it's the next doctor's visit that could go a few different ways and you are getting results and you have no idea what the results are going to be and you feel anxious. Or maybe it's that high school speech you have to give in front of your peers who are all staring at you. I can relate, right? What makes you anxious? What makes you restless? Maybe it's a tight chest or muscular tension or plain and simple feelings of uneasiness in life. Some of us might be anxious about the future of our country. Murmurings of war in the future or banks collapsing in the months to come. Maybe some of us are anxious about the American dollar losing its value. I would just contend to say that we're all just a little bit anxious about the 2024 presidential elections. Today, wherever you are, anxiety, like depression, is, I believe, a spectrum we are all, uh, we are all dealing with at some level. Some of us have learned to address it some of us have learned to avoid it, and some of us are still in denial about it. For some of us, anxiety has even turned into despair and depression. And so hear me, friends, this is real, and this is us. Our children's director, Millie Smith, shared with me this last week in some incredible resources. And by the way, if you're a parent and you want to learn more about mental health with your children, we have a class coming up in the fall in August. So we'd love to maybe mark that down, know that we have a class for parents uh, and families on mental health coming up later this year. 
She shared with me that there are statistics that are showing that in grade school and middle school ages, the stress and anxiety has never been higher in the children that are coming up in the next generation. The stress levels and the depression has never been more critical in our schools. So my hope is that today, wherever you are, a parent, maybe you're relating to some of this as a leader, as a business owner, as a partner in ministry, as, as a spouse. My hope is that wherever you are in the spectrum of anxiety, that you will lean into it this morning. I'm going to encourage you to lean in this morning. I'm going to encourage you to be honest about where you are this morning. I'm going to encourage you to consider that we are only as strong as we are honest. And so lean in to it this morning, and I believe we can together learn the cure for anxiety. Peter shows it to us. In in fact, I'm going to point you to verse 7 first. The cure for anxiety, Peter says it in one word. Look at this. He says, cast. Now, he goes on to say, cast all your anxiety on, on him because he cares for you. Now, I want you to say that first word with me. Let's say it together. On the count of three, one, two, three, cast. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, friends, the cure for anxiety, I'm going to start with the answer this morning, is to cast it on him. The cure is in the cast. Now, if anything sticks this morning, I want that to stick. Say it with me. The cure is in the And that wasn't super convincing, so we're going to say it again. The cure is in the You guys got it. The cure is in the cast. The cure is in the cast. The cure for anxiety is to cast it on him, on Christ. What a beautiful message as Peter writes to a people who lived in a day where their lives were being threatened. Know this, if you're new to this series, Peter is writing to a group of people that are facing persecution. They're facing an uncle who's being threatened with his life to be impaled on a pole, wrapped in tar, and lit on fire for Nero's garden as he walks through his gardens in the evening. And for some, they're threatened with the idea that a cousin that, that, that lives down the way is being threatened because they believe in Jesus and they were baptized into the way of Jesus. They are being threatened to be thrown into a ring with ravenous dogs where their flesh will be and their bodies will be torn to pieces. And so this is what Peter is addressing, people that are anxious about the future. What Peter offers to us is a cure for anxiety. He says in one word, cast all your anxiety onto him. The cure is in the, say it, cast. Peter was a fisherman, and so this is an interesting word, this cast. You can see it on your screens. It's the Greek word eperipto, which means, look at this definition, throw on, cast on, stop worrying, and say it, trust. That's what cast means. Cast your cares onto the Lord. Throw it on him, right? Cast on him. Stop worrying and trust your life with Christ. The cure is in the cast. But I, mean, I must say this before we go on. But accuracy takes practice. If you're writing something down, write that down. The cure is in the cast, but accuracy takes practice. My boys are learning to fish right now. I have an eight-year-old son, a five-year-old son, and a four-year-old son. They are learning to cast with the fishing poles out into the water. 
My prayer is that the hook doesn't come back and take out an eye. They have to practice casting out with precision, with accuracy, so that it doesn't hurt one of my other boys as they learn. Peter is saying to us, we must cast our cares on Christ and we must cast them with accuracy. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Have you ever noticed how accurate your flesh is? Have you ever noticed that when things get tough and stressful, how accurate your flesh is when it goes to the things of this world, like alcohol, like drugs, you know, maybe it's um, images online that you shouldn't be looking at, whatever it is. Have you ever noticed how accurate your flesh is? It just knows right where to go every time. Now, if, if you were here for our series in Romans, we talked about the spirit is in conflict with the flesh. The flesh is accurate. It knows right where to go. But Peter is showing us that the spirit, it's going to take practice. Now, if you were here, um, Paul showed us we were in the book of Romans for 12 years. Do you guys remember that? And he told us that these two, spirit and flesh, are going to war against each other. And our flesh knows exactly where to go when it needs what it thinks you need, right? Let's be honest. We need to practice because right now when life gets stressful and when we feel anxious, we cast our cares on food. Everybody knows that Handles is now in Fort Wayne. We cast our cares on, on, on binge-watching television, We cast our cares on alcohol or that extra trip to the vape shop down the street. We cast our cares on smoking that joint or buying that extra pack of cigarettes or or gossip or, or whatever it is that we, our flesh, goes to. It's so easy and it's so accurate. Our flesh knows where to find it. And Peter is saying, your spirit needs practice to cast in the right direction. I just think it's so amazing how accurate our flesh is, but not so much with our spirit. And for this reason, as many of us know, we don't find the cure in our flesh because we haven't learned as Christians to cast our cares on Christ. So Peter's first step in the cure for anxiety, grab your notes, grab a pen in the seat back. Peter's first step in the cure for anxiety might surprise you Because if you look at verse 6, now look there with me if you will. The first step is to acknowledge, verse 6, that we must humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Now say that phrase with me. Humble yourselves. Say it again. Humble yourselves. This is the first step. Why is this important? Because Peter is going to show us here that anxiety is directly related to pride. That's your first feeling if you're writing things down. Anxiety is directly related to pride. Now, you might be thinking, how is pride related to anxiety? It's related because when we look, and we think that first, because we look at an anxious person and we don't necessarily connect that to a prideful person, because a prideful person seems to be confident and in control of every situation. So sometimes, I don't know that we see this, but Peter's going to show it clearly to us. He wants to show us and his first readers, that the Holy Spirit wants us today and then when they first read it to see that both anxiety and pride have to do with a sense of control. A sense of control. 
Jesus' half-brother James spoke to this in James 4, 13 through 16. Look at these words on your screens. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. We're going to do that. That's what we're going to do. That's our plan. Verse 14, why, James says, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Poof. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So what is Peter showing us? Peter is showing us is that anxiety is connected to pride, and it's this sense that we are in control of our lives, and we are not. I heard a great quote this week that said, anxiety is the desperation that accompanies the realization that you are not in control. Peter, the author of these very words, experienced this firsthand when, as we see in Matthew 14, 28 and 30, look at this. Lord, if it's you, the disciples see a ghost out walking on the water. And Peter's like, I think that's Jesus. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. This is an amazing story. Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. When's the last time you walked on the water toward Jesus? Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. You see, his cast was good. It was right at Jesus. He was accurate. He knew, like, I'm, I'm aiming right at Jesus. But quickly he realized what he was facing, and we see that his trust was lacking. He started to sink because his flesh took over. His flesh was like, rot row. <laughs> I'm walking on water. You, you, did you catch that? I'm walking on water. I'm the one walking on water. He started to look inside himself. He started to look at his own circumstances. And Peter is saying, humble yourselves because the reality is, now hear me, when things get tough, we think we have the answer. Peter thought he had the answer. He started looking at the wind and the waves, and he's, he's like, he's establishing, where should I step next? Where should I go? What should I do? And it was that reason why he began to sink. For Peter, it was a reminder that he couldn't walk on water. You see, his cast was good, but his trust was failing. We must trust. If you're taking notes in your outline, you'll see, first, anxiety is directly related to pride. But secondly, pride stems from the delusion of being in control. Peter thought he was in control. And this is so important because the cure for anxiety, again, if you're taking notes, write this down, begins with examining the cause. The cure for anxiety begins with examining the cause. Why are you anxious? My goal for you today and through the week is for you to practice the cast, to practice the cast, because it begins with clarity on the cause. You can't practice your cast if you don't know why you're anxious in the first place. The root cause, if you're a note taker, write this down. The root cause equals I'm not in control. I'm not in control. I never was. 
I never will be. This is why Peter says, verse 6, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. You are not in charge. You are not in control. You are not the one who has the power to walk on water. Humble yourselves. Some of you remember the breath prayer I taught you a few weeks ago. It comes into play again this morning, and we're going to work on it together. So I want you guys to do this breath prayer with me. It's in your notes if you want to see it and read it aloud, or I'll just share it with you. It's very simple. It goes like this. I can't. Christ can. I think I'll let him. Now, I want you to say it with me this time. I can't. Christ can. I think I'll let him. I can't. Christ can. I think I'll let him. If you want the cure for anxiety, get to the core cause of what's making you anxious, and that's because you think you're in control, and you need to remember that you are not in control, and I am not in control. And it's that why, that, it's for that reason that Peter says, humble yourselves under God. Humble yourselves under his mighty hand. It was Jesus, friends, that pulled Peter up from, the, from sinking in the water in that story we just read. It's the hand of God that has time and time again lifted up the people of Israel. Matthew 14, 31 says, listen to this. Jesus reached out his hand and caught Peter as he was sinking. He says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Just to make sure we're all clear, the problem came in when Peter saw that he was walking on water. And I have something to tell you this morning. It wasn't Peter walking on the water in the first place. It was Jesus holding him up the entire time. Peter started to sink when he started to think he was in control. In other words, you can't, you never could, stop trying. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. A friend of mine said it this way this week. And we're almost there. I want to share it with you. He said it, he said it and I'm like, I got to share this. He said, we do the casting, Christ does the carrying. We do the casting, but Christ does the carrying. That is truth. We must humble ourselves and stop trying to do the heavy lifting. Peter says, this is where you will be lifted. Psalm 55, 22, look at these words. He says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Cast your cares on him, and he will give you everything you need. Friends, the cure for anxiety is first to examine the cause, and secondly, to confront the lies. First, we must know and remember that we are not in control. And secondly, we must confront the lies when they come our way. Notice Peter says in the verses that he may lift you up in due time. Look at this. I think it's on the next slide. Humble yourselves, therefore, under his hand, that he may lift you up in due time. You see, the enemy is going to come alongside, and when you start casting your cares upon Christ, it's not going to happen on your timeline. And the enemy is going to come and lie in the timeline of this process of Christ caring for you. And he's going to tell you, well, Christ doesn't care about you. You prayed about this last week, and it still hasn't happened. Christ doesn't care about you. I mean, he, he's a big God. He's a distant God. He doesn't care about what's going on in your workplace. He doesn't care about the tightness in your chest as a parent. 
And I'm telling you right now, Christ cares for you. He loves you. And the first step in the cure for anxiety is one, to examine the cause and two, to confront the lies when they come in your direction. When you feel like you're doubting more than trusting, you confront the lies and you claim, here's the third one, the truth. You claim the truth that God is for you and God is with you and God is beside you every step of the way. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6, 31, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Don't be anxious about any of these things. The pagans run after all these things. You're not a pagan. You're a follower of Jesus. Confront the lies. Claim the truth. You are a child of God. You are loved. You are known. God knows. I said this last hour. I'm going to say it again. God knows every hair on your head. Some of us, he knows more hairs than others. That was supposed to be a funny bald joke, but it wasn't funny. The cure for anxiety begins with examining the cause. Secondly, confronting the lies in your life. We, many of us have those lies in our lives. And thirdly, claiming the truth that you are loved, that God cares for you, and God knows you, and God wants to do life with you. A friend of mine who, is also, um, who has also had a, a much influence in his life from Pastor Rick Hawk shared this with me. I want to share it with you. He said that Rick shared with him one time this quote, and I'm going to try to get it right because I just heard it, but it goes like this. Pastor Rick says, if you're going to worry about it, don't pray about it. If you're going to pray about it, don't worry about it. What a powerful truth. Friends, today, this morning, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you're going to worry about it, don't pray about it. But if you're going to pray about it, know that you don't need to worry about anything. Cast your cares on Christ. Because when we've learned to cast, back to verse 7, when we cast it all on Christ, verse 7 says, this is a place where he cares for you. Cast it all on him because he cares for you. What's the cure for anxiety? Begin with examining the cause, then confront the lies, and finally claim the truth. And the truth is, by the power of the gospel, he cares for you, and he knows your name. He loves you. Believe it today, friends, that not only can Christ take it, but he can provide what you need along the way. So what's the cure for anxiety? Three C's. I'm going to give them to you now, and I hope you remember these through the week. The cure is in the, say it, cast upon the Christ who provides the care. The cure is in the cast upon the Christ who provides the care. And of this, we know begins with examining the cause, confronting the lie, claiming the truth. We can practice this through the week with a breath prayer. It goes like this. Ready? I can't. Christ can. I think I'll let him. 
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the message you have for each of us this morning. That not only do you care for us, but you have the power to carry us. Remind us today that it was never us in the first place. It was always you. You are the one we serve. You are the one in control, not us. Lord, I confess I've been prideful. Lord, I confess that I have felt like I'm in charge. I'm, I'm in control. Today, I bring that to you and say, Lord, I'm casting it onto you because you care for me. I pray for the cure for anxiety over our church, over our marriages, over our children, over our homes. Lord Jesus, have your way in every way. Amen.